Welcome to the Heart for the World Church Sermon Podcast. It is our desire that you will be greatly encouraged as Pastor Dale Walker and others bring a fresh word from God directly to your heart. Be blessed. Awesome. I love being a peep. Hallelujah. Welcome again. And if you see in your sermon outline, we're talking, we call it, it's not fair. How do you experience God's undeserved grace in your life? I do want to mention one other announcement. There's also a, if youth want to be baptized, there's a class next Wednesday, uh, next Sunday at 11. And we just think Easter is an amazing time to get baptized. So we really want to encourage if you're a parent of youth, see if their heart is for that. But what I want to share about God's extravagant grace, I talked about having the best life you could never deserve. And, And it comes because of what Jesus paid on the cross. I put here that many people know about God's amazing grace, but many know it in their head, but haven't experienced it fully in their heart. It's hard to grasp how God's grace. Grace is, we said, undeserved favor to the undeserving. It is not God's payment for anything you did. It's him lavishing on you the opposite of what you deserve. It would be like a a policeman stopping you for driving too fast. And and not only does he say, I forgive you, that would be great. But he says, by the way, I want to give you $5,000 too. (laughs) That's grace. I want to give you the opposite of what you deserve. And what what I know is that this goes against the ways our minds are trained to think. That's why we call this, it's not fair. Because when you see grace, you'll say, ooh, that doesn't sound right. But Proverbs 14, 12 says, there is a way that seems right to a man, but the end of that is death. Can I tell you what seems right to a man? You should earn this. What seems right to a man is, you know, something like American Idol. If you perform well, woohoo, now, you know. But what doesn't seem right to our brain is, Jesus ran the race for you. And before you even start, he said, it is finished, here is the grand prize. <laughs> Many people struggle, and they just live still. I don't know if I'm worthy of God. I don't know if I can really accept that much good news. Heard about a guy who was living on the streets, desperate, and a friend from high school ran into him who had been successful, and he said, I want to help you get out of the streets. I want you to get an apartment. And he wrote him a check for $5,000. He said, go cash this, get you a place, and Two weeks later, he finds the guy still on the street. He says, what are you doing here? He says, you know, I just didn't feel worthy of going in a bank. I didn't think they would cash the check because I've got so many issues. And the friend said, no, it's not your check. It's, I'm the one that signed it. The many people, Jesus has given you a check, but you don't really cash it. And so we're learning about grace so that we can do that. You see, there's a substitute for grace. It's religion. Religion is a substitute. Religion is about performance, and it's about keeping the rules. And from the beginning, religion has come in. If I had time, I'd take you. You know, there's Cain and Abel. Cain is religion, and Abel is grace. Every story almost in the Bible is religion or grace. And the story we're going to read is one very familiar to you about the prodigal son. 
And, and the, the, the point of this is we're going to see the elder brother. We're going to see religion, and we're going to see grace. But this, this is something I really want you to see because this story is literally told to the Pharisees who were the religious elite of that day. And, and they represented. Now, I want you to know Pharisees because definitely they deserve a bad rap. At the same time, you would have probably loved to have a Pharisee as a neighbor. The yard would have been perfect. Their kids would have behaved. They were the people who believed in the Bible. But the problem was their hearts were based on performance and rules and regulations. What we're going to learn today is that religion seeks peace and approval based on our works and grace is completely based on, on Christ's work for us. Not our attainment, but his atonement. One of the main things you're going to learn is that you don't change and heal by trying to be good. You change and heal by learning to be loved by God. You see, the, the Pharisees would clean the outside of the cup. He said, but inside was filthy, right? In fact, Jesus was kind of hard on them. He said, you guys are like whitewashed graves. That doesn't sound too good. <laughs> you're all beautiful, but inside they're stinking bones, Right? Because you see, religion can't change your heart. It can change your outward appearance. But it can't change your heart. Only love can change your heart. Only grace can change your heart. And so Jesus is going to tell us this story. And my, my burden is that we will see what the difference is because I don't know if you've noticed this, but the world around us, Christianity hasn't gained in popularity over the, over the last generation. So many of the world sees Christianity, they see it as, as legalism, they see it as religion, they see it as people being judgmental and, and, and putting down. And, and I think somehow the church has earned that by some of our attitudes. And because of that, they miss Jesus. I think it was Lee Strobel who gave this comment. He said he, he would like to tell the story of that famous theologian, Homer Simpson. Anyhow... But Homer Simpson had a, a neighbors that were fundamentalist and everything, and, and one day they were going to a Christian camp, and, and someone asked Homer, you know, where are they going? Oh, he said, they're going to a Christian camp to learn how to be more judgmental. Now, that's how people think of Christians, don't they? And many of you, and can I just tell you, it breaks my heart, many of you are like I was. When I first got saved, it was all about grace. I was so excited. And, and I loved Jesus. And then I began to be around this kind of religious group. And they just started laying, like the Pharisees did, heavy yokes on me. I remember one of the first sermons I heard, cut your hair if you love Jesus. That was because <laughs> I was a hippie back then. Okay, cut my hair. And then, then the rules just kept going. Let's burn all of your rock and roll records, which they needed to be burned. But it was like, oh, there's another thing I got to do. And then it was, there's no dating if you're a Christian. <laughs> And, oh, wow, that's going to be tough. Whoa. And then it was, and if you really are sincere, man, you are going to be here at 5 in the morning to pray. Oh, you didn't make your prayer life. You're just a mess, you know. And, and it began to become a performance. Got to do more. And it was very controlling. It was, what's wrong with you? What's wrong with you? Tragically, I had friends that were actually religiously abused and were harmed deeply. Many times in my ministry, I've had to deal with people. I call them good people who ran into bad Christians. 
and they were, they were abused. And God says, I, I want my church to show what Jesus showed the world. A God who loves people so much that he throws parties when sinners get saved. <laughs> and, and today, in fact, I could call this message, please, welcome to the party. Come to the party. <laughs> Don't be a stuffy elder brother outside. <laughs> Come, celebrate grace. As I said, the other part of it is that many of you here have lived under a yoke of the law. To be honest, you've never felt really worthy. You suffer every day. Yeah, maybe God could bless Pastor Thomas or something, but I know. I, I, I'm, I got issues. I am issues. Everything's issues. I can't really. And you haven't just been able to break through in a sense. I have the worthiness of Jesus. God looks at me and says, come on in. You have been given a gift, my righteousness. So let's just kind of look at this story. Luke 15, 11. Jesus continued, there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his field to feed pigs. And he longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating. How many know when you're coveting pig food, you're in bad shape, all right? But no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, and I prayed this for all of us, Lord, come to our, bring us to our senses about grace. He said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will sit out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. And he ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let us have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing, so he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother's come, he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. The older brother, notice this, became what? Angry and refused to go in. So his father pleaded and went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, look, all these years I've been slaving for you. I never disobeyed your orders, yet you never even gave me a young goat. I didn't even get a goat. You're giving this guy the fatted calf. Wow. So I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours, not my brother, who has squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, you kill the fat calf for him? My son, the father said, you are always with me. Everything I have is yours. 
But we had to celebrate and be glad because a brother, this brother of yours was dead and he's alive again. He was lost and is found. Amen. I, I want you to see, first of all, who this story was told to. It was told to the Pharisees. How many know uh, that tasted like dead rat to them? You know, Because <laughs> all of them knew Jesus was talking to them as the elder brother. Here's a few observations. He, he said, hey, there's two ways to be lost. You can be lost as a crazy heathen, or you can be lost as a religious brother. You can be far from God. How many know you can be right in the next room to the Father and be as far from the Father as a kid out there getting drunk with prostitutes? One is being lost because of, of sin, and the other is being lost because of religion. Can I tell you this? I think the elder brother is more lost because he doesn't even come to the party. How many know it's easier to go from a heathen to a forgiven son than it is to go from a hypocrite to a forgiven son? He says you can be lost on any part of this spectrum. You can be a relativist, no rules, and be lost, or you can be a moralist and be lost. You can... You can be over here, someone who goes to church every Sunday. Can, can I tell you some of the most lost people in the world are at church today? Now, don't, that's kind of heavy. I'm not talking about you, but some people. Why? Because they think they're still righteous. And they don't understand that we don't receive God's love by deserving it, but by realizing how much we don't deserve it. You can only be saved when you realize that not one thing I bring, but simply to the cross I cling. Jesus, I come. I, I can never redeem what I've done, but you paid it all. And, and it doesn't matter if you sinned one time in your life or every day for the last 20 years. You still can only come the same way. And the more we think that we're worthy or good, the, the less we ever experience grace. It's, grace is when we go from being a person who thinks of themselves as entitled to a person who knows and is humbled by the awareness of how much they don't deserve it. Can you hear the older brother? What's his phrase? It's not fair. It's not fair. How on earth could that creepy brother of mine And the father says, of course it's not fair. It's grace. And you need it too, brother. Please, you need it too. Come on in. Aren't you glad that he didn't just go for the prodigal? He loved the elder brother too. He went after him. You see, it is not sin that separates us from God in general. It's our pride. Can I tell you what separates a person from God? It's trying to be their own Lord and Savior. I am good enough to be my own Lord and Savior. I... I'm a good person. I can give you my list. I keep score. And uh, compared to those guys, I'm winning every time. Can I tell you in the kingdom, whoever keeps score loses. If you keep score on yourself, you lose. If you keep score about other people, you lose. But whoever humbles themselves wins. You see, God cannot really bless an entitled person. You know why? 
a person who's proud, who feels like I deserve this. You know what happens when you, you, when you in, bless an entitled person? You enable them. When you say, oh, you're pretty good. Here, I'm going to just pour it on you. They get more proud. Proud people get more proud when they're blessed. But humbled people get more humble. And so God doesn't come and say, yes, I'm going to just, I'm going to just bring the party. Okay, we're going to get a food truck and go out to the elder brother. <laughs> because to reward his self-righteousness would have just made him a bigger Pharisee. God said, until you can break down and come in just the same way as your little brother did, you'll never be in the party of God. I think you can understand this. I mean, if you've ever had children and fed them something, you, you know how you respond when they start to act entitled. It's like you give them lunch, and if they're like, okra again? I am so much more deserving than okra. I cannot believe, Mom, you made okra again. And you're like, okay, and I'm about to make it for the next three weeks. And you think you want des dessert? Forget the dessert. But what if the kid says, okra, mom, you're amazing. How great is my mom? Whatever it is. <laughs> you, you like, yes, and we are going to Caliches right after this. Oh, yeah. Are you kidding me? You're humble and you're grateful? Come on. And that's exactly how God is. You see, God made it on grace because the only way you become the person you want to be is when you become overwhelmed with gratitude. And the law will never make you grateful. It'll just make you a scorekeeper. Here's a couple of other things. The story shows us that saving is through unconditional uncon love and extravagant grace. I love the fact it shows us what God in heaven celebrates. Did you know today heaven is not celebrating all the good things that Dale Walker did last week? <laughs> but if there is one person in this service, and I know there will be, who says, my life is wrecked, and I don't deserve God, but he loves me. I am so sorry, God, would you take me? The Bible says heaven is going to go crazy today. <laughs> That's why I love Easter it's the biggest party day in heaven. <laughs> you see, righteous people or the religious people, they don't celebrate when sinners come home. It's like when, you're, when the person you dislike the most gets rewarded, you don't get happy at all. Let him go to jail. Whoa, that's a good day. Can I ask you? I can tell how much you understand grace by what, what do you do when Someone you don't think is deserving gets rewarded beyond their deserving. Do you like say, well, God, I don't deserve it either. Thank you. Or do you say, I can't believe that happened. That turkey, you know, what? Just think about that one. Number two, the story is about the father's pursuit. Nothing the son did made him, the sons did made the father love them more or love them less. He goes after them. Can I just, I want to help you understand. God does not respond to you according to your deeds. We read that last week. Psalm 103, verse 12. He has not treated us according to what our deeds deserve. For as high as the heaven is above the earth, so great is his mercy towards those who fear him. And what, when you understand, did you know this? That God is the pursuer and you're the pursued. 
in both cases, you see this in the text. The father came out. He didn't wait for them to come in. He came out. He sought them. Did you know God is the pursuer? From the day you were born, he was shouting, I want to know you. Now, when you understand that, then you begin to realize things like, if you're here today and you have any desire for God, that's not because of you. That's because the God of heaven put in you a desire to desire him. Did you know, as humans, we wouldn't even want God if God didn't give us the want to, to want him. Now, when you understand that, you say, I'm not here in church because I am such a holy person that loves to go. No, you say, God, I can't believe I'm in church today. I don't even understand why I want God. But my heart wants God. But I didn't make that happen. I can't believe how amazing you are, God, that you would give me the want to want you. Doesn't that humble you? And guess what happens when you do that? All of a sudden, you want him more. When you truly understand grace, you'll understand that what God wants is a relationship. Not your rules and not your performance. Can I tell you from the beginning of time, you were created for what I call Father's house. It's what every human who's ever been born is looking for Father's house. You know what it is? It's the embrace of the Father. It's that place where, where you experience what that younger son felt. I don't deserve this. I am treasured. I did nothing. And yet, I got my ring. The ring is my authority. I got my shoes, which means I'm no longer a slave. He said, I want to be a slave. You know what? The difference between slaves and sons in those days where slaves did not wear shoes. And the father says, if you come home, you will not be a slave. See, religion makes you a slave. You will be a son. And you're going to wear a robe, which means this is your dignity. You will never be just a worthless person. No, you will be clothed in the righteousness of Jesus. We were made for that space of his embrace. Not just to come to church and hear about it, but to live there in love with God in this relationship of grace. The reason people fail to understand Christianity is they don't understand it's a relationship. They make it about going to church or rules or this or the Ten Commandments. And, and someone said, well, aren't there expectations on a Christian? Yes, but it's like that's the 10%. If you think of an iceberg, you know, 90% underwater and 10% above, 90% of being a Christian is the relationship. And then the other 10% will come out of that. There's only one thing that changes a person, and that's being in love with Jesus. See, you can change your outward, but that changes your heart. And, and I tried to use this illustration. I don't know if it makes sense. But if before I met Sharon, my wife, if I had read a rule book on how to be a deserving husband, I don't think I'd ever volunteer for marriage. That's hard. Are you kidding me? Wow. The rest of my life? Whoa, whoa. But then I fell in love. Nobody had to give me a rule book. She treasured me, and I treasured her. I didn't, all of a sudden, all the rules became written on my heart. 
and I delighted. You see, God does not want duty. He wants delight. Do you know what a Christian is? It's not someone who has to pray. It's someone who delights to be in the presence of the Lord. It's not someone, oh, wow, oh, man, I can't believe i got to go to church. This is the fourth time this year. Oh, my God, yo. It's like, oh, God, I just delight to be around people worshiping you. And it's crazy because I didn't used to be that way, but something happened. I met the Savior, and he's more than life to me. He is so incredible. And I get to wake up, and I get to say, Jesus, can we do life today? And he says, yes, and, and I'm going to hug you the whole day, and we're, I'm going to whisper sweet nothings in your ear, and I'm going to be singing back to you, Jesus, and I'm going to just walk with you through everything. This is amazing. And then life works. You don't even think about it. See, it is our ignorance of God's love that causes us to be trapped in our brokenness. Can I describe the elder brother to you? He's a broken human being. Look at his life. He's angry. How many of you known people who are just angry? I guarantee you there's something broken inside of them. There's dark secrets. They hate themselves, and so they hate the world. And what religion says is, well, just get your act together. Quit being so angry. And you start saying, well, I won't be angry. I won't be. I'm going to be a gentleman. And then one day, and you blow up and because you were trying to change your anger by anger management or behavior. No, you need to let God love you to life. That's the only thing that changes anger. You need to let God just wreck you with his love. See, you got these skeletons in there. And no religion can clean up the whitewashed tomb, but Jesus does. Can I just help you understand Jesus? The kingdom of God is not a country club for saints. You know, some people think of religion, it's kind of like a beauty pageant. Who's, who's got it all together? Unfortunately, some churches are more like that. You go to church, aren't I holy? Oh, everybody's strutting their stuff. Woo, woo, woo. No, the kingdom of God is a hospital. The kingdom of God is about a whole bunch of broken people who know they're broken and they go in there and they're like, hey, you guys, I'm not here to dress up. I'm here to strip down. <laughs> hey, man, you need to get to my stuff. So, and this ain't pretty. How many know the kingdom of God is messy? How many know when church gets real, it's messy? It's got, man, you got issues that I never knew you had. Whoa, you're, whoa. But you're in the right place because Jesus is here. And he's the doctor. And he didn't come for well people. He came for broken, messed up people like Dale Walker. And he's the only one that can get the toxicity out of your cup. You can do everything you want, but you still have poison inside. And there's only one thing that ever gets rid of. It's the blood of Jesus Christ. I, I read these words by a, a Franciscan monk. I thought this was powerful. This is literally a brother who ended up being martyred for his faith in, in Algeria. And someone asked him, what does it mean to be a monk? Or you could say, what does it mean to be a Christian? He says, a monk is simply a sinner who joins a community of sinners who are confident in God's mercy. 
and strive to recognize their weaknesses in the presence of their brothers so they can become free. Now, I need to read that to you because you can't miss this. A monk is simply a sinner who joins a community of other sinners who have this one thing. They're confident in God's mercy. And they strive to be completely honest and recognize their brokenness in the presence of their brothers. Because as they admit that, they become free. Grace comes to the humble. When you lose your pride, you lose all of the stuff that you try to impress people with, and you become 100% real, grace comes and heals your life. When you look at people who are under the law, you see their brokenness. They put their emotional health in the hands of others. They live with regrets on the inside. They're constantly trying to prove their worth to somebody. They live with this unescapable voice, you're not enough, that causes them to perform, to put on masks, or to try to escape from their pain by other forms of addiction. They're not running from something they know. They're running to find something they don't have. Worthiness. Righteousness. They keep trying. You know, I, I, I saw this article in Vogue magazine about Madonna some years ago. Someone said, wow, Madonna, you sure are driven. She says, my drive in life comes from the fear of being mediocre. That's always pushing me. I push past one spell of it and discover myself as a special human being. But then I feel I'm still mediocre and uninteresting unless I do something else. And because even though I have become somebody, I still have to prove that I am somebody. I think my struggle will never end. I guess I will always be trying to be good enough. That's not Madonna. That's me. That's anyone who doesn't know grace. Somehow, I'll arrive. If I get those people's approval, I can accept myself. But we never find what we're looking for. So how do you receive grace? How do you go from a critical elder brother, angry, self-absorbed, I ain't going to no party, who literally lives your whole life as religiously miserable. And someone says, how was your Christian life? Well, all I know is it was a mess, but I never admitted to anything wrong. How do you go to the party? Number one, recognize the longing of your heart is to be home with the Father and to experience his, his love and favor not based on what you deserve, but on this incredible fact that God so loved you, sent his only son, and he took nails and he was crushed for you. There's this thing where you, how do you know this? You, you, one day you feel his sufferings. And you know it was for you. And you know he did all of that because he so wanted to cherish you. I believe it comes through an experience that the Holy Spirit brings. Look at this verse in Romans 8, 15. It tells us this is why the Holy Spirit has come. The spirit you receive does not make you slaves 
so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And, and by him we cry, Abba, which means my daddy, my daddy. The spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. And if we're children, then we're heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings. In other words, if we see that he died for us, that he was brutally killed because we meant that much to him, then we'll start to share in his glory. Let me go back to my story. So after about two years, I'm really trying to be a Christian. And it was so crazy. Because the harder I tried to be good, the more I realized I was bad. <laughs> I, I had this weird thing. I have never tried so hard to be good, and I have never had so much guilt at the same time. <laughs> and I knew what I was supposed to do, and I was hammered by religion, but I never, I knew that I was never measuring up. And, and I knew on the outside, I put on the cuff, how are you doing? Hallelujah, praise the Lord on the inside. There's lust and there's greed, there's selfishness. And one day I said, I cannot fake it anymore. And I'll never forget the place I, I go out. It's by El Paso Airport, about two miles in the desert. And I go to this sand dune. And I lay there and I say, God, I'm here to die. Would you please kill me? And, and I know this sounds real dramatic, but what it was was, God, I am a hypocrite. I can't go back to my old life. That sucked. I'm just not going back there. But I can't be this Christian thing. I've tried for two years, and all it's made me is this unreal, inauthentic, pretending to be a good person. And I just hate myself, God. And I don't want to live anymore. So maybe I could go to heaven at least. As I was there, it was so weird, but I was just laying there, you know. And then, like never in my life, I felt heaven open as if a waterfall of God's mercy. I began to hear this voice in my heart. I love you. I love you. And it was all of a sudden, it was like I literally was getting so overwhelmed by it. I said, no, stop. I don't deserve it. I don't deserve it. And it came stronger. And it was so clear. Nothing you've ever done will make me love you less. And nothing you'll ever do will make you, me love you more. And there was this endearing word, Dale. But it was literally, and I tell people it's kind of a weird thing. When I was a little boy, they called me Delito. And it was Delito. And I just cried. And I just broke, and I just laid there all afternoon, bathed. Father was adopting me. I found my way into the arms of Papa, and I knew I would never have to leave because I wasn't there because of what I had done, but what Jesus did for me. This verse says the Spirit comes for you to have a healing encounter with grace, and I'm praying for everyone this morning. The spirit of adoption come upon you and tell you deep in your heart. You know, Paul said in Ephesians 3, 17, he says, I pray this all the time, that you would be strong enough 
to know the love of God, the height, the breadth, the depth, the length, the width of it that passes all knowledge so you could finally be free. Did you know you have to be strong to accept love? Because it's hard. Your mind keeps shifting back to, I don't deserve it, I gotta do this. And it takes a heart that says, God, I will let you love me. And, and, and I love this. Tim Keller talked about this father in this church. And he, they had adopted this boy that never quite fit in as a little boy. And, and later the boy would say, well, they adopted me, but I never adopted them. And he was this broken little six-year-old kid. And he says, but one day I'm walking down a path with my dad. And just completely out of the blue, my dad picks me up and he kisses me and he hugs me. And he says, oh, I am so proud of you, son. And he said, that day the lights went on in my heart. And that day I was a son. That is the spirit. When you come to Jesus and you say, Jesus, I just come for your grace. He's going to lift you to the arms of Papa. And by the Holy Spirit, the kiss of the Father is going to become real into your heart. And you will never be an orphan or a slave again. How do you receive it? Make the choice to believe. This is thing called belief is huge. I want you to notice that the son did not repent and then the father accepted it. The first thing that happened is the father kissed him. See, religion says it's penance. You have to do penance and then you might. No, Jesus says it's repentance. What does that mean? It just means you receive what Jesus did. A lot of people are trying to beat themselves up today. That's not grace. Before the, the son could ever get out the words, I'm unworthy, the father had already kissed him and that's why he could say those words. He simply believed, and there was this thought, and I want you to have this in your heart today. I have screwed up so bad, but I think that my father is so good that if I went back to him, he would care about me. Can I tell you, it's absolutely true. To believe is to simply accept it as the truth of your heart, even before you feel it. Look at this verse, Romans 1.17. It says about grace. The good news tells us how God makes us right in his sight. This is accomplished from start to finish by faith. Somebody say by faith. As the scripture says, it is through faith that a righteous person has life. What does that mean? You never get this by feeling your way into it or working. No, one day you decide Sink or swim, I'm going to believe everything God says about how much he loves me. You don't just make it, okay, I went to church and I heard, isn't that sweet? No, you say, every day I will wake up, and I know some days I'll wake up and say, I don't feel worthy of God at all. But you say, you know what? I have made a decision, and I am making a declaration, and I am going to lean in, and my confession will never change. I am his beloved son, and he's well pleased with me. Zephaniah 3.17, he's rejoicing over me with joy and delight. Romans 8.32, he who gave his son, son, would he not also give me everything? 
I am his masterpiece. I am his beloved. Devil, I will not partner with your lies anymore. I will not go back to trying to feel good because I did this or that. It is done. It is finished on the cross. I am a person of grace, and I'm a person of worth based on what Jesus did. I am a son, not a slave, and I stand in the righteousness of God. And you will not move from that. And one day, grace will take over. I see grace, a grace encounter. It's almost like you're hard waxing. You just got to get in the light long enough. And gradually, the grace of God melts. He melts you and melts you. As you hear messages like I'm sharing today, and as you hear the Lord, your, your heart suddenly goes from a works righteousness. Not suddenly, but gradually goes from a works righteousness to grace. Bring God your secret shameful things through confession. Did you know grace comes through confession? Now, I need you to hear this because, as I said before, the kingdom of God is about surgery. It's about humility. Religious people hide all their stuff because they think they're righteous by how they look. People of grace come and say, God, I come to your light. I am like that, that father, that monk said, I'm part of a community of sinners, and I, the more open I can become. You know, this idea, the hardest thing to repent of is self-righteousness because it's there. And, and I've been repenting all week, and it's, it's kind of something I have to do all the time, but it's like, God, I know my heart isn't. I'm a real sweet person on the outside, but a lot of times my heart is not that at all. And God, I could spend the rest of my life being a pretty good poser, I spent 40 years learning how to be a pastor. Pastors know how to act nice. But all you're looking at is my heart. And if I'm all into myself and I'm all just doing it because this is my job, oh, God bless you, then I'm just a fake. And I say, God, today with that person, I was a fake. I need you to change my heart. As I come open to you, you might say, boy, that pastor's not very spiritual. Well, I, if, if you're looking for one, this isn't him, all right? But I hope I'm real. I hope I can say, God, every day I come before you. And there's no one who needs grace in this church more than Pastor Dale. Because every time I'm honest, most I have to bring my righteous pride. I, one of my favorite poems is, Lay your deadly doings down, down at Jesus' feet. Find your rest in Christ alone. His righteousness complete. Here's my deadly doings. I tried five ways to earn approval this week. God, I just, that's just junk. God, I don't deserve your grace. Put off the yokes of religion. And I want to close with this because several of you have come from environments where you don't even know that you wear yokes of legalism. That's how you were trained to think. That's how your family taught you. You were taught to live by shame. And you think it's normal. I remember this lady come up at ministry time. And she was such a good Christian lady. She had three kids. She was like, oh, yeah, that's the Christian lady of the church. She is just, she went to the prayer meetings. She was like, yeah, that is, you got it all together, dear. And she just came up. And I remember all the words, but she was like just covered with shame. And she says, says I, don't, I was raised in a very religious home. I was never enough. And somewhere, after I went through some weird stuff as a teenager that I shouldn't have done, and he said, somewhere I got this label in my heart. 
basically said, I will never be more than a three in God's sight. I'm going I'm to creep into heaven, maybe. But I know that when God sees me, there's, there's forgiveness, but there's no favor on me. And every day, I struggle feeling unworthy. And I'll just never forget, as I prayed, I said, Holy Spirit, she needs to be adopted today. Would you take her into your arms, put a ring on her finger, put, put that robe on, put the shoes on her. And I just remember God's grace coming in. For the first time, it seems she realized God's not looking at your scorecard. He's looking at Jesus' scorecard. And you are in Christ altogether lovely. You are the righteousness of God. You are unblemished. You are my treasure. You are my daughter. You are my princess. You are my joy. You are my heart. Because Jesus has made it so. And that's the way I see you. And this, that lid and that yoke just flew off of her life. And I want to ask God to let that happen. Just let one last verse, Matthew eleven twenty eight. 28. I just love this because this is what Jesus said in response to all those people back then. Are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me. So you say, I just want a relationship. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. If you will just keep company with me, you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Amen. Would you stand with me? Are you here today? Are you worn out? Are you tired? Secretly, have you put a label on you? Jesus wants to tell you you're a 10. He wants to tell you. He's made up the difference in your life through grace. He's saying, why don't you leave all of your guilt? Why don't you leave all of your performance outside and come join the party? Your Savior will accept you exactly like you are. And not only will he accept you, he will shout with joy because you're home. He will kiss you. He will smother you with love. And he will restore your life. He has a ring of authority. He has a robe for you that's the righteousness of Jesus. He has shoes that are daughter's shoes and son's shoes. And he says, if you will just come and say, I don't deserve this. I, I don't, can't earn it. I can't feel that I should have it, but I accept it. Accept your grace. And someone here, maybe you feel far from God. Again, it doesn't matter if you're a younger brother or older brother. It doesn't matter if you're religious or it doesn't matter if you're a heathen. It doesn't matter. There's only one way. It's the cross. Would you just be willing to open your heart to God and say, God, I may look good on the outside, but there's some stuff on the inside. And I just want to be honest. I don't want to keep this inside of me. I don't want to be a, a bitter elder brother. I want to be a healed younger son. Search my heart, God. I'll be honest with you. I'll come to the light. 
In fact, I'll be so radical that I'll find a community of grace where I don't just share with you, I'm honest with them too. Because I know grace flows wherever there's humility. If you're here today and you're not sure about your salvation, you're not sure if you're really a Christian, you're not sure if you go to heaven if you die, could you make this the day that you're sure? It's all been paid for. Jesus died for you. Jesus shed his blood for you. And he rose again. There's not one more thing you can do. He's already done it all. He just says, would you come? Would you tell him, I'm coming. Lord, I'm coming. Just as I am. Without one excuse or one plea. But that your blood was shed for me. Jesus, I come. You can just pray a simple prayer like this. Lord Jesus, forgive me, for I have sinned. I don't deserve your love, but I humbly receive it. I believe you died on the cross for me, and that you rose again from the dead. You paid it all, and you want me, just as I am, to accept your love. I accept it. Turn me into a daughter or a son that's not trying to earn my approval, but is living in your love. I want a relationship with you, Jesus, not religion. I want you to be the song of my heart. I want us to walk together every day. I want to delight in you. I want to do life with you, Jesus. I want us to, to live in your arms forever. I wait in you, Jesus, and receive your grace. And you said it's true. I accept it. I believe it. It's done in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. God bless you. Again, there'll be some prayer teams. If you just need a grace encounter, we'll pray for one. And if you'd like to stay, we'll be down at the chapel here in just about 15 minutes for our volunteer rally. God bless you. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Heart for the World Church Sermon Podcast. We hope that God's Word has inspired you today in a way that will boost your faith greatly. We want to encourage you to visit our website at hftw.church and follow us on our social media. May God bless you richly.